All right. And we're back to a new episode of the StatCast. Uh, Sam Greenman is here and our good friend Daniel Moltz is here because today we are talking about, we are at the midpoint of the MLB season. We're excited to talk about that. We've talked a lot about teams. We know who's good. We know who's bad. The playoff teams, even if they're not entirely set in stone, seem to be relatively predictable, especially in the AL. I know it might be a little bit of a different story. But today, what we wanted to talk about are who the most surprising players are, both good and bad. Who's real? Who's not? We've each got lists. We don't really know who else is on the other person's lists. Some people have hitters. Some people have pitchers. Some people have a mix of both. It's going to be exciting. Sam and Daniel are both, I assume, excited to talk about this one. I sure am. And also, should mention, finally back in calm. The audio, we have issues. We'll fix it next week. Should be should sound all right. But you guys excited for this one? Yeah, it was fun to actually go on Baseball Savant and do some digging. Yeah, I agree. It was fun to start investigating everybody's roster to see who's doing well, who's doing not so well. It's been tough to follow all the statistics with so many different players coming and going. So it's nice to get back to the hub of everything and do a nice check-in on the entire league. Yeah, we have got far and away more rookies than you ever have seen in the first, I guess, month and a half now of the season. I Pers- think personally, the, I've been yeah. following the Cespedes family barbecue thread where he uh, tweets about every single player debut. That's a good one to check out. There have been far, far more. Like, and it's not just you know your regular run of the mill. Oh, call up this guy from AAA who's been there a while. No, we're having some of the best prospects in baseball all lose their rookie status this season. It's been incredible to watch some of the best players in either league, like Luis Robert or Kyle Lewis, are both rookies. We've had great bullpen guys, some like James Karinchak, who I I assume is going to be on Sam's list. I would not be surprised if he's there. And just a lot of really good stuff. Um, So we're going to get into it. But first, Milo Hamilton. Swinging, lining it to left. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Chris Park. Holy Toledo. All right, welcome back to the StatCast with your hosts, Sam Greenman, Harrison Friedman, and of course, our esteemed guest, Daniel Maltz. All right, Sam, tell me, who is someone who has been surprisingly good for you this season? Pitcher edition. Well, I want to save Karen check for later, so let's start with Devin Williams. Tell me about him. So you might have seen all of the gifts on Pitching Ninja of his changeup moving from batter's box to batter's box. Um, I did deep digging on Baseball Savant and found... Well, basically all of that was I basically verified the eye test. So he throws only he's a reliever, so he's only got two pitches and he throws them basically a fifty fifty split, change up and fastball. Yeah. And change up is almost always below the zone. And yeah. or the bottom of the zone. It's right at the corner. Yeah. And then he's got he's looking like the right-handed Josh Hader because he's just striking batters out like at more than 18 Ks per nine. I think he's got 31 strikeouts in 15 innings. Which yep. is 18.6 strikeouts per nine. Yeah. It's, it's an insane number. He's led, what is it, one run all season? Yeah, he's one run. got a K percentage north of 50%, which is kind of ridiculous. And 
on the pitching pitch movement leaderboards for changeups, he is third in vertical movement and second in horizontal movement. You might want to check out the baseball savant page because both that vertical and horizontal movement are deep red. Yeah, he, they're, deep, they're, they're deep red, and there's all, and also you see like if you go with the scatter plot, he's just down at the bottom right. Like he's like the outlier on the graph. It's like ah, oh, we're not going to include that data point. Like if you look at Devin Williams, especially against the lefty, if you're a lefty, you do not want to be facing him because then you're going to get the changeup. He throws the changeup. Uh, maybe not twice as often, but relatively often to lefties compared to righties. It just goes away from you. You can't hit it. Like, you think it's going to go in the middle of the plate, and then it's just gone. It's just gone sinking out of the uh, far corner of the zone. It's impossible to hit. It's Have you seen his ERA plus thing. this year? Do you know how high What's it is? It it's got to be in the 84. Se- yeah, I was about to say, it's in the 700s, oh I think. God. It's 784. Yeah. 1.26 fielding independent pitching. And he's allowed the, four hits all year. One of the craziest things about Devin Williams is the spin on his changeup. Because usually, like, you know, it's a changeup. It's not going to have the best speed. I'm sorry, it's not going to have the best RPM or whatever. But his does, De- though. Yeah, exactly. He's got 2825 on that. That doesn't happen. It's like the- with Seth Lugo's curveball. You, you don't <laughs> Some pitchers curveballs sit somewhere around 2,000, sometimes a little bit lower that in the RPM. But Seth Lugo gets as much spin on his curveball as most pitchers would dream of getting on their fastball. And Williams does the same thing with his changeup. Yeah, the cha- the changeup is a pitch that a lot of a lot of pitchers try to minimize the spin rate so that gravity can you know have an effect, more of an effect than it does on their fastball. So they try to keep it in the mid 1,000s. But he's yeah. just going for the pure down and away movement. Yeah, the, it's basically slide. A- it's basically slider spin. From yeah. a, from a righty, just going the other way. If you said like Lance McCullers Jr., that's a guy, or Chris Paddock, those are guys you would say, oh, they got great changeups, they got great stuff. Lance McCullers Jr. especially. Lance McCullers Jr.'s his changeup is about uh, seventeen eighty. The second highest changeup uh, spin, average spin in baseball is John Means, who's not been that great this year at twenty four hundred. And then there's like Trevor Richards great. and Jonathan Her- Hernandez. Devin Williams is twenty eight twenty five. It's almost 400 more than the second highest and far better than any of the other good change-ups. That just doesn't usually happen. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird change-up. Like, he's, thro- he's throwing it. Like, usually you kind of sp- throw, like, a split change-up or a circle change so that you don't have, like, full control of the ball so that it can kind of, like, wiggle out of your hand without much spin. But he's trying to get as much spin so he can get as much movement. It's, it's wild. It's it's an unstoppable pitch. It's an unstoppable pitch. But, yeah, so Devin Williams, I mean, if you pick him in fantasy baseball, I think you're real happy right now because he's been absolutely killing it. Um, yeah, so, Daniel, tell me about some guy, someone for you who's been relatively surprising. I got a couple, few good ones here. Uh, first one I, I think I'll go with off the bat is Ian Happ on the Chicago tell Cubs. Me. I mean, for first, for first and foremost, this year he's betting in the 300s. I believe it's a 308. He was batting 55 points, 55 above his career batting average. His walk rate is through the roof, around 15%. His strikeout percentage is in is around 24%, which is low. Hap, one of his biggest downfalls through his first four or five big league seasons was a huge lack of plate discipline, and that's made huge strides this season. And while the Cubs have kind of been a little up and down all year, Ian Happ has been the one really steady force in that lineup. 
I mean, you combine the fact that he's a switch hitter, he's a Swiss Army knife who can play five or six different positions, and now if he's hitting this well, I mean, he's easily the most dangerous hitter on the Cubs and probably the second best player on that team behind somebody else who I hope we talk about. Yep. You <laughs> Darvish. We'll get to him later. Yeah, he's got to take the cake for right now the best player on the Cubs, but if you want to talk about best hitter, it's gotta, it has to be Ian Happ. They I've need someone with I, Chris Bryant liked, being hurt and bad. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Ian Happ. I've always thought he's got a nice swing, and I, I always have an increased level of respect for switch hitters that they can figure out how to hit at the major league level, left-handed and right-handed. And it's nice to see. I, he was, at one time, another one of these highly touted prospects the Cubs had, just the same with Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, and players like that. So it's nice to see him finally breaking out a little bit. Although – of course, it's a shortened season, and it's only through about 30, 40 games. Who knows if he would flatline back to his baseball cards numbers in a full season, but through this shortened campaign, he's leading the charge for the Cubs right now. I'm glad you mentioned the fact that it's a shortened season because one of the things that's usually the fastest to normalize, like the thing that's fastest to be like, oh, this is actually predictive of how the player is doing, is strikeout percentage and walk percentage. One thing that's really important, last year was kind of a lost season for him, He's already nearly had as many at-bats this year as he had all of last year. So 2018 is probably a better comparison. In 2017 and 2018, he really put the barrel to the ball. He's one of the better people in baseball doing that. He's not quite as good this year. But you mentioned that the strikeout ratio. He struck out 36% of the time in 2018. And this year, he's cut that, like you said, to 24%. But the interesting thing – yeah, the interesting thing is that his walk percentage was the best – was actually a very good 15.2%. I mean, what that does tell you is that more than half the time, his at-bat didn't even end up in a plate appearance, but regardless. But this year, even with the strikeout rate much decreased, the walk rate has kept the same, and it's at 15.3 now. So that, I think, is a sign of something definitely good to come. And obviously, one thing that he has been very good at this year is just crushing breaking pitches uh, because he was terrible at that. And this year, he's raised his batting average by over 100 points on him. His WOBA has gone up by – has actually literally doubled on breaking pitches from 2018. And he's just doing a lot better as far as that goes. And the craziest part about him is that a lot of people forget this because this is his fourth year in the league. He's only 25 years old. I mean, he's still he's still pretty young. Yeah. And there's still plenty of room to go up development-wise. I mean – He's younger than guys like Javier Baez, David Bodie, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant. He's younger than all of them. He's probably the youngest potential cornerstone piece, at least in terms of hitters, that the yeah. Cubs have. And we know how good Baez and Bryant and Dave and Bodie have been sometimes. Same with Schwarber. Imagine if Ian Happ, who's a couple years younger, catches on. That's a another huge piece to this Cubs lineup. If he stays good, then he's – I mean, I hate to bring up the Ben Zobris comparison for every guy who does the stuff that Ben Zobris was famous for, but like that could be a replacement for the Ben Zobris that they had during the 2016 World Series, or the better Ben Zobris in the previous years. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I think guys like that, being a, a switch hitter and a utility man is kind of like nuts. To it's me. like the Marwin Gonzalez deal, too. Yeah, but I would like him to settle into the either the outfield or second base, I think, is where he'll find his home. I think he needs to maybe 
I think two positions is enough for him to focus on for him to actually, you know, keep up this pace with this hot bat. It's funny you mention that because he's actually not been a very good defender. So, like, he is in the first percentile for outs above average in all of baseball, which is not great for a guy who can play a bunch of positions. Maybe it's like, well, he can play a bunch of positions, like, not great but not terrible, but it's still not like I mean, he's only played outfield this year, so he's only he's only charted in outfield this year, but still. It, that is just a little worrying, the fact that he is defending so badly. All right. I mean, it it's a help, DH right? year. It's yeah. a DH year. Yeah. All right. It's Let a me... DH year, and when you, you're batting 300 with an OPS around 1,000 from both sides of the plate, you know, tuck him away in left field and kind of ignore the fielding, address it, but ignore it. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. kind Notice of forget it. about Listen, it. He's Notice a, it. He's been as long a as he's a terrific hitter. He's been a terrific hitter. As long as he's hitting this well and the Cubs are winning, nobody's going to give a crap about how bad his fielding is. Unless yeah. until it starts to actually cost them games, and if you're going to play left field, the poor defense is really not the end of the world. Daniel, There's you can speak to that and do hard. Yeah, duh, let no, <laughs> no, and oh, I uh, I don't even want to don't even talk about Miguel and Duhar. I could say so much about him. I feel so bad for him between the, with the way the Yankees have coddled Miguel and Duhar and absolute and. and basically acted like they have a vendetta against Clint Frazier for no reason whatsoever. The way it does confuse me. The difference, I mean, we, we definitely don't need to go too in-depth about this because I know we want to talk about surprising players, but the difference in the way that those two guys have gotten treated in their time in the organization compared to the value that they can bring is astonishing. I mean, Andujar missed all of last year, and he was an abhorrent defender before that. Clint Frazier's defense has always been a little bit shaky, but – He's got a higher floor fielding-wise than Miggy, and he's an equally good hitter. I mean, I don't and know how much he's got two working arms. He's got two working arms, and I, I don't know how much <laughs> I don't know how much Clint Frazier you guys have watched, but that guy's he's got looking the, good. He's got, he's got the he's got a quick swing. All right, back. He's got the, he's got the quickest hands, but yeah, <laughs> don't talk about Miguel Andujar in front of me. Speaking about speaking about a guy who's had a breakout this year and plays all across the diamond. So this guy, by virtue of just one inning at third base, has actually played all four positions in the infield. The majority at second base. But I want to talk about who I believe is one of the most surprising but still impressive stars who actually went to a college that Sam is a big fan of. I'm talking about Jake Cronenworth, Michigan grad. That's right. Jake Cronenworth, unlike Ian Happ, not only has he been hitting extremely well like Ian Happ has, his outs above average is also in the 98th percentile. So he's been one of the best fielders in baseball this year, playing all across the infield for a Padres team, which already has really good defenders in the infield, like Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis Jr., et cetera. But I think that Jake Cronenworth has been one of the best players in baseball this year. He's also – he's not a, a switch hitter, he, but he bats, he bats lefties, throws righty, which is impressive in and of itself. But – He's great at everything. I don't know what other way to put it. He's got some of the best range and speed in the game. His sprint speed is also at the top. You look at his baseball savant page, everything is 85 or higher. So, which means he's one of the most well-rounded players in baseball. He does not strike out very much at all. In fact, he only strikes out 14.7% of the time, which is almost less than half as much as he in half. He, to be fair, only walks 9.5% of the time, but that's because he hits everything. Uh, and when I say he hits everything... I mean that his zone contact percentage is 88.9%. And There's another person who, yeah. who swings anything that I hope you get to. I don't know if I will. 
Okay, then you probably won't. (laughs) His exit velocity, well, it's not elite. It's still very good. It's about 30th in baseball, tied with Nelson Cruz, whom I think you guys know is a pretty good hitter. Yeah. And so one interesting thing, I'll let you guys tell me what you think about him right afterwards, is take a look at his batted ball profile. So Jake Cronenworth hits only 13.6% of balls as fly balls. 43% are grounders. 40.9% 40.9% are line drives. That's number nine in baseball. That's also much better than it, pretty much than anyone else who hits that many line drives. He hits much fewer fly balls. I don't know if like that is going to be a good thing for him or a bad thing for him, but regardless, he crushes the ball. And he's just gets shifted on around 35% of the time. His Woba is over 400 with or without the shift. So it's not really necessary. Yeah, so basically, if you want Jay Cronworth, he barrels – his uh, barrels at thirteen point six percent. That's great. He hits everything that's in the zone. He's got a much. He hits lots of stuff when he chases too. He's got an impressive sixty point five percent chase contact rate, even though he barely ever chases. I think he's one of, the, one of the most impressive players in baseball this year. What do you guys think? I think he very much shades the fact that the Padres are still lugging out Will Myers and Eric Cosmer to hit pop ups every second at bat because I, I, it's amazing how the Padres whiffed on on. Two guys. Well, I guess one of the only one of them was a contract. The other one was a trade. But they whiffed on Hosmer. He's been a liability. They Myers hasn't really done anything. And you know they got Machado. They got Tatis. They have pitching. They have Denelson Lamette, who I'm not going to talk about, but he's kind of. He's I would say out, he's been impressive, but I think maybe outperforming himself. But yeah, the Padres. I like. I mean, obviously, I like the Padres. We I should mean, mention. Not? Even though Hosmer, first of all, Hosmer is hitting three thirteen yes, and his no, slugging percentage yes, is six sixteen, one sixty four WRC plus. He's never done that plus. before, and I think his numbers this year are going to look that great because he's only going to play in about fifty games. You give him a full yeah. season to normalize that out, and he's going to look much more like his baseball card. Yeah, I mean, still a six sixteen slugging percentage. Well, it's not, it is nothing to sneeze at, but it's also far far better than anything he's done in the past. And I don't quite know just he's how... He's never even slugged 500. Forget 600. I know. That's, it's, it's like he became who he was supposed to be in the minors. Or, I don't know. It's possible it's a mirage. But, I mean, if you're checking out his exit velocity, it's pretty good. It's not the best, but it's still pretty good. So I would expect hmm. that because Eric Hosmer is sometimes a pretty good hitter. He's never a, one of the best hitters. Yeah. He, I mean, he, listen, he hasn't been a good hit San Diego, but... When he was not, in Kansas City, not many he was... people are good hitters in San Diego. Pre-juice, <laughs> pre-juice ball. Here's something interesting to check out, though. Actually, if you look at Eric Hosmer's, uh, his like ex-woba, his ex-PA, his ex-slugging percentage in the previous year, much, much worse than this year. But his exit velocity and hard hit percentage have not changed at all. So that's something that's kind of entirely new for him. And I think part of the reason is because he was hitting a ton of ground balls last year. And he's reduced that by about uh, 12%. Well, he's raised his line drive percentage by about 12%. He's popping up a lot. Popping up a lot. But he's hitting the ball better this year. And so, Will Myers, maybe. But I wouldn't just n- knock on Eric Hosmer right now. Uh, okay. I mean, they don't, they're not like, it's not like I need to knock them. I, it's just that I don't want to let people forget that the Padres didn't hit on everything. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. No, they've had, the probably, they've had probably one of the worst runs in the last five or six years when it comes to trading for young, big-name talents or signing big-time Tatis Jr.? I mean, 
No, I mean, Melvin Upton Jr. They had Melvin they Upton got, Jr. Matt Camp, Craig yeah. Kimbrell, James Listen, Shields. They're bad. They were the champions. They had Jared the Weaver. They had prospects. Jared Weaver too. They're bad oh, yeah. with vets and they're good that with was when prospects. His was I down think eighty-two. AJ Preller is a scouting guy. AJ Preller was a minors minor league scouting guy. And first of all, one of what I think is the most interesting thing of him is we talk about the Mariners for the tra- for their trades. The Padres trade a hell of a lot too, and they trade for so many young guys. Look what they get their eyes everywhere. Five days ago at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they traded away like seventeen trades. It's a little bit of things over, over exaggeration, but they traded. They traded. They traded away a, like a half a dozen, at least a half a dozen of their top 15 prospects and their farm system is their still system is still unreal yeah it's still ranked number three in baseball i mean yeah theirs in the rays i mean but tampa bay didn't really do much of anything which oh i know. know but they're but tampa bay's prospect depth and prospect oh yeah is also unreal i was just talking about as far as farm talent goes yeah i mean tampa tampa on that list was ranked number one and i believe seattle was number two and san diego was number three but yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of Seattle's time future outfield <laughs> i'm looking at <laughs> I, I I was listening to the Sesame's Family Barbecue podcast recently, and they had on Taylor Trammell, who we should mention just got traded and was a, the top prospect trade at the deadline from the Padres to the Mariners. And he was talking about how he ran into Julio Rodriguez at the Futures game a year or two back, and Julio Rodriguez was the most massive guy he'd ever seen. Trammell asked Julio Rodriguez how – Julio Rodriguez, for those who don't know, is an outfielder prospect for the future for Seattle. He asked how old he was, and he said, 18. I mean, that's like what every Yankee fan did when we saw videos uh, of Jason Dominguez. Uh, oh, yeah. 17-year-old hitting absolute nukes in batting <laughs> yeah. practice. But that Seattle future outfield, the Kyle Lewis, uh, Jared Kalanick, and Julio Rodriguez, that's going to be a lot of fun. Where do you that's put Taylor Trammell? Uh, that's the he's thing. He's a great bench out fourth. Listen, if Taylor Trammell is a fourth outfielder, I think then No, no, no. The Red Sox have been doing that for five years. It doesn't work. With what, JBJ? Yeah, bro. He's been dangled <laughs> in trade talks, and every single offseason, we pick up a fifth outfielder, and we're like, oh, this guy looks good, and then we trade him at the deadline. The thing about Trammell is that people aren't quite sure he's going to hit legitimately at the major league level, but he's a great defender and really fast guy, too. So I think like that is the kind of material. guy. Exactly. That is fourth outfielder material. That's what I was thinking that. Considering how much hype's been surrounding him for the few years where he's been one of the known prospects, you got to give him a shot as a starter some before. You have to see yeah. if he can handle the the. Listen, if the he can beat out Kellenic, yeah. First I would of all, say he would Rodriguez beat out Julio is Rodriguez just because Julio's 18 years old. He's not going to be up for well, it. Not anymore. He's like 20 now. But okay. yeah, it was at the Futures game. No Futures game this year, very unfortunately. But anyway, so Sam, why don't we get to another one of your pitchers? All right, it's the best reliever in baseball, James Karinchek, another two-pitch Let's guy. Let's go. Yes, another two-pitch guy, fastball, curveball, 50-50, allowing an ex-woba of 190. League average is 322, he's, which, so that means he's basically almost half. Strikes out half of the guys that he sees, which is more than double league average. His Isn't fastball best is... best in baseball? Second best in baseball. Only Devin Williams is better, right? No. Who's the best? Oh, for strikeout percentage, yes, but... Yeah. The the, uh, the funny thing is his release point is 6.7 feet above the ground. Yeah, because how tall is he? He's, he's like 6'2". Six, six, he yeah, no, he's the ball from higher Daniel, than him. Daniel, have you seen him pitch? I have, yes. Isn't that the most insane? Like, he I mean, just insane reaches for the most you've ever seen? Yeah. He's like this, I mean, he's like the opposite of Tommy John. <laughs> he's like this baby-faced guy who looks like he's about to catapult the ball halfway up the uh, into the stands 
instead like and you think the hitter would be like oh i can see the ball coming at me i can i can probably hit that but no he's got the nastiest stuff around it's he in, releases the ball as it's impossible as he releases the ball as high up as Araldus Chapman does forward. It's absolutely insane. Like Araldus Chapman's stride is, I yeah, think he's a even, huge even man. Now, even now when he, that he's 32, I think it's still over eight feet long. Like his stride is like 120 percent of his height. And yeah, Check does the same thing, but vertically. And people, yeah, I mean, you said it, Harrison. I mean, people who watch baseball regularly, they they underrate how difficult it is to hit a ball, whether it's a fastball or a curveball, especially one as good as. James Karen checks because you're, it's high. on an incline. Yeah, exactly. By, that's why they, the that's way, why they lowered the mounds. You look at guys way, like him, Tyler Glasnow, and Dylan Batances, two other guys, super tall pitchers with nasty breaking balls. I mean, those guys, when they can throw their breaking balls where they want them, those are probably the two most unhittable pitches in yeah. baseball. And Karen check, we should mention, has allowed just one extra base hit all season long. He allowed one double on his four seamer, and that's the entire thing. That's it. The guy, his exit, his average exit velocity is 88, which like seems like it's about league average. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is league average. But the fact that he's only allowed one extra base hit, only just one double, is insane. And do you want to know the craziest part of all of this? Why don't you pull? Why don't you look up um, what exactly he allows? So he only allows 19% of ground balls, 30% of line drives. That that's a little above league average, although ground ball thing is insanely low. He induces twice as many pop-ups as league average. 15.4% of batted balls he allows are pop-ups, which is the best it's it's the best thing in baseball to allow because it's also it's, worth it's saying, guaranteed out. It's also worth saying a that his spin rate for his fastball 72nd percentile, curveball it's only 30th percentile. So, yeah, like, he's not but, an elite spin guy. He's just, I think the illusion is just his arm action and his funky mechanics. But he is one of the best. Uh, he's, I don't, it's very close to the most vertical uh, movement. His fastball drops more, uh, his fastball drops more than almost anybody else's in baseball, which I think is part of it. Also, like, he throws that's 95, what you get when you're throwing his curve is 93. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the vertical movement on the fastball, that's what you get when you're thro- starting six feet, seven inches off the ground, already on an incline on that mound, and you're just basically throwing it over the top. I mean, I'd be more, yeah. sh- I'd be shocked if his fastball didn't drop. Yeah, the and hilarious honestly, more, thing. It'd be more it, impressive if it didn't drop. His but launch angle crazy. averages 26 and 23 for the four-seamer and the <laughs> curveball. People, people, people can't square up on up. anything he throws. They can't square up, up on every it. Every single time. Yeah. So, it, like, stuff wouldn't necessarily jump out to you on the page. Again, his exit velocity, Lady Louse, is average. His fastball spin, a little above average. Curve spin, a little below average. But everything he throws is golden because of that funky movement. It's not even funky. It's just it's, it's overpowering. Yeah, he hasn't allowed a barrel all season long. I I feel like he's definitely like six foot one, but like on the mound, he definitely looks six like he's six three. four. He says he's six three. He doesn't look it. He looks like a baby. He's, it's part of the baby face sort of deal, but he looks like Justin Bieber just like 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 early twenty tens era Justin Bieber just wandered onto a pitching mat. Yeah. Right now would be a turn great time. Five in three weeks, which is just crazy. If we had, I don't know. The ability to do it would be a great time to insert Mike Petriello saying, telling us how incredible Jay <laughs> and, and then James us wondering, Karen like, is and then be. us saying, who, who, who's that? Now we know. Now we're the biggest James Car- James Karen Jack fans out there. And 
I'm not saying we were first, but we were second and third. It just right. clear I was second and he was third. Oh, okay. Is that so? <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, who do you got? Who do you got next? So I'm going to talk about – I'll talk about another pitcher, a uh, left-hander on the Atlanta Braves whose name is Max Freed. <laughs> oh, there we go. Sam, do you want me to pick someone else so you can talk no, about No, no. I, I want to – because I can put in some of my, some of my stuff here too. Okay. Not to be confused with my younger brother, Max Friedman. But <laughs> well, listen, I mean, Max Fried has always been such an interesting MLB player to me because I've always liked his stuff, but it, in his first full season, it didn't really translate. He was basically a league average pitcher last year. So far this year, everything seems to be clicking for this guy. I mean, his ERA is 1.60. Fielding independent pitching is 2.29, which tells you he really is having a very, very nice start to his season. His ERA plus is 298, which for a starting pitcher, it's it's for start, silly. For any starting pitcher in an eight start stretch is just absolutely ridiculous. But here's the, here's the craziest part. So, I mean, he doesn't have a, an, uh, a crazy high strikeout rate or a crazy low walk rate, but the one thing that Max Fried is doing this year, that's absolutely insane. He's not giving up homers. He has given up zero, count him zero home runs in 45 one innings triple, this season. One triple. <laughs> so who cares about the one triple, man? I mean, <laughs> nothing this guy throws has left the yard in eight starts, and especially as we have continued to see the home run become much more and more of a priority for big league hitters of all types, especially in the last decade or so, especially. The fact that any starter, any starting pitcher can go eight starts, eight separate games – and 45 innings without giving up a home run is just mind-boggling and it's ludicrous. Another and a big part of the and a, because of the fact that he's been so great at keeping the ball in the park, his baseball reference wins above replacement is 2.6, which is 1.1 total wins over the next best guy on the Braves. And this is a guy who's played in less than than maybe about 20% of their games and he's been the most valuable player by that statistic on their team. It's just absolutely insane. He's been one of those starters where everything just seems to be clicking right now. And I know we mentioned you, Darvish. I hope we talk about him because he's just another insanely talented guy right now. But again, he's one of these guys where everything seems to be clicking right now. And I hope later on we can talk about a couple of guys where nothing is clicking because you'll really see the opposite, the two polar ends of the spectrum of how this crazy 2020 season is treating players. But Max Fried's just insane right now. Yeah, to uh, go off that, he's very sneaky with his fastball. He'll average 93, but he's touched 98 and 99 multiple times this year. Uh, his fastball usage is down 10%, and his slider usage is up 7%. And he has three different pitches that he throws more than 20% of the time. Uh, he's got that big slow curveball that, like, it's like 75. Just one of those big, loopy, rich hill curveballs. Um, more over the top. Um, he's only above average in horizontal movement in his slider. That's the only pitch that he throws. It's nasty uh, pitch, though. Yeah, it's nasty it's, pitch. Curveball is the only above average uh, vertically, and it's got he's in the eighty second percentile for spin rate on that curveball, which I don't know how you couldn't be with when you throw it that slowly. But yeah, he's uh not a big, not the biggest strikeout guy, and uh, again, a league that's shifting towards more strikeouts, but induces a lot of grounders and doesn't get low any line drives. He loves. Basic, far fewer line drives. Yes, than not average. a big, not a big fan of allowing barrels. Exactly. Some and some of the best, actually one of the best in the league. And an eighty three percent left on base percentage. I mean, 
that's the trademark of any good pitcher is that when any you're going to put guys on ball base, pitcher specifically. Yeah, when you put guys on base, they stay there. They don't come around across the plate, and that would explain why his that would explain why his ERA is so low. And I think yeah, a large it's part. Yeah, it's one point six, and I think a lot of, and that's also another contributing factor to the fact that he hasn't given up any home runs. You know that that left on base percentage is going to get even higher when you can keep the ball in the park. Yeah, he's been impressive this year. All right, so now I think Daniel's going to be happy of the guy who I'm going to bring up because I know he's a fan. Daniel, I'm going to bring up the big boy, former Cardinal, former Missouri yeah. State guy, Luke. your Yankee, Let's go. Luke Boyd. Luke. Let's go. Luke Voigt has been one of the most interesting players in baseball this year. I mean, I, 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 mean, I could talk about Jesse Winker later, but, but basically Luke Voigt, uh, I, I, I'll mention Winker later, but uh, Luke Voigt has a little bit worse exit velocity, and he's got more strikeouts, and he never walks. That's not that great. I mean, the guy, he strikes out 27% of the time. It's not terrible. He walks 6.6% of the time. It's not terrible. Those aren't that great. You know what he does? He barrels up the ball, 17.7 barrel percentage. That's good enough for 15th in baseball this year. But I want to talk about what I think is the most important stat that he, that he does. He's second overall in baseball in ex Con. Now, I think Sam knows what that is. Daniel, I'm sure he's at least heard of it. For the people at home who don't know what it is, it's basically how well does he perform or how well is he expected to perform on pitches that he makes contact with. The number one guy in that is Miguel Sano. The issue is that Miguel Sano does not make contact at the rate that Luke Voigt does. Luke Voigt makes enough contact for an average of nearly 300, which is scary as hell if you're a big power hitter like he is. And that's why he's got 13 home runs this year, which I believe is either the lead or tied for the lead. I think it's tied in for baseball. the lead. It's, uh, it's yeah. up there. Yeah. He's got 23 runs, 28 RBIs. That's good stuff. But also his OPS is 10.35, which is terrific. He's also near the top in WRC+. Plus. He's around number eight, I believe. And he's just been phenomenal this year. The, the important thing, like I said, is that he's upping, been upping his contact rate. It hasn't been like huge strides, but it's been the kind of strides which are necessary. He improved his own contact percentage. He improved his chase contact percentage. And while neither of those are league average, or they're both below league average, it's still good enough. But he also, one thing that should be mentioned is his line drive rate. He upped that by a very significant amount. It's now at more than 10% above league average. He's, when he puts bat to ball, he, good things happen. That's exactly what you want out of a guy in your 3-4 spot in your lineup. But can I talk – the reason I brought him up after Cronenworth is because of this just really interesting little tidbit. So first pitch swing percentage. The MLB average on that is 28.3%. Can you guess what Voigt and Cronenworths are? One and two. Luke Voigt swings. I couldn't find actual like leaderboards for this, but I can't assume that I can't believe there's anyone else who is like anywhere close to either of them. You know, I know Voigt's, for a fact that Voigt swings with the first pitch a yeah, lot. Yeah, Luke Voigt swings at 51.6% of first pitches, which is insane. I, again, I don't know if anyone does I'd that as often. I'd love to see how Luke many Voigt. first pitch strikes and first pitch fastballs he gets. Yeah. Do you know who swings at – and then Jake Cronenworth swings at 12.9% of first pitches. <laughs> it's insane. That's, That's like funny. the epitome of patience against the epitome of aggressiveness right there. The thing is, Cronenworth doesn't really walk that yeah, what much. Their, I, what's their walk rates? 
Chrono Wars is only is like it's still under ten. It's nine point something, and uh, I'm looking in voids right now and six point six. Because the thing about Cronenworth uh, is that he hits everything, and the thing about Voight is that when he hits something and when he hits anything, something good happens. They're two, two very, very different, different approaches to the game. Yeah, again, Jake Cronenworth is one of the fastest players in all of baseball. Luke Voigt is one of the slowest players in all of baseball. Don't but they are both it. really showing out. You don't this have year. to run hard when it, when you're jogging. Yeah. They're both really showing out this year and are really impressive, even though they're approaching the game a little differently. And both of them should figure to be. Re- very important players on champion on the possible worlds uh, in a possible World Series matchup. Even do you, do you guys have anything about Luke Voigt or I don't know. Daniel's I mean, listen, a Yankees fan. Tell me, what, tell, me what you, tell me what you think of watching him this year because I don't, don't watch him that much. I mean, Luke Voigt has definitely been a lot of fun to watch, especially because the 2020 New York Yankees are doing their very best to imitate the 2019 New York Yankees, whereby whereby every single good player on the team is getting hurt. Impressive, honestly. Yeah, good job. Voight has been one of the few guys who has not gotten hurt yet. Knock on wood that he's that that doesn't happen. (laughs) It might might be happening as we speak. I don't know. No, I mean he's he's (laughs) playing against the Mets right now. So far, the Yankees haven't blown that game yet, but we'll see. But he's been one of the few mainstays of that lineup. And you know, you go back to 2018 when the Yankees got him from the Cardinals. Everybody was like, "Who's Luke Voight? Like, why should I care?" We all saw what he did for the last six weeks of 2018, and we all figured it out. And he, he never quite—he never—he didn't hit quite that well in a full year last year. But again, I think you know, because of how short this season is, and the fact that you're catching lightning in a bottle with Voight, with how well he's hitting, I, I don't know if he's going to keep it up for the last month of the season or into the playoffs. Should, but... should Voight only play in August and September? Is that the solution then for? <laughs> uh, I mean. I don't know. That seems to be working so far. But listen, right now, I mean, he's been invaluable for the Yankees. While DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge are all hurt, and while Clint Frazier, only until only until the last couple of weeks, was never getting playing time. Gary Sanchez were, is hitting under 100, probably. Gary Sanchez is batting half his weight. Brett Gardner, Mike Ford, Kyle Higashioka, even Aaron Hicks, too. I mean, these are not guys who are hitting well, and when you've only got two or three guys in that lineup that are hitting well, you need him to keep it up. And so far, Voight has done just Daniel, that. as an Astros fan, I can absolutely relate. All right, so Sam, I know you want to talk about Dylan Bundy. I was actually the first guy to talk about Dylan Bundy. I remember this on the pod. But right now I want to see – I want to hear you talk about some people who you think are actually kind of, have actually been kind of disappointing this year. Tell me oh, someone all right. you've got there. Yeah. All right, it's Garrett Cole time. No, Ooh, I was going to talk about it. I'm so glad. Let's let's get lots of Yankees All right, fine. on here. I took Ma- I took Max Fried, so you get Garrett Cole. <laughs> you can right. talk about it. So oh, Sam, I, oh, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off what Sam says because Sim- I've got some things to say too. Simply put, he's getting hit hard, just much harder than we, he was last we year. We saw this coming. We saw this coming. Houston fans know that Garrett Cole was getting rocked like in the first or second inning of a lot of starts. But I mean, he's not quite James year, Paxton actually. when it comes to first inning troubles. But barrel percentage has gone from 5.9% to 10.5%. Mookie Exib- Betts, by the way, has a 10.6% barrel percentage. Just thought you should just throwing that out there. So basically, players are Mookie Betts when they're hitting against Garrett Cole. Exit velocity on average four miles an hour higher than last year, 87.6 to 91.6. Uh, his expected batting average it's still low because you know he's still he's striking out guys and he's inducing outs. 
Expected slugging percentage has gone from 320 to 458. X-Wobicon's gone from 369 to 426. Hard hit percentage has gone from 35.5% to 48.2%. And his K percentage has gone down from 40% to 32%. Basically, he's allowing contact more than a little more than last year. And when he allows contact, it's a it's much harder. And usually with like 20s launch angle. Like he's giving his, up a lot of home runs. And his four seamer and his curve are getting absolutely crushed. There's the the I mean the four seamer is pretty bad because it's a jump of about 150 in slugging percentage. But for the curveball, it's a jump of nearly 300 points in slugging percentage. That's bad news. It's getting just absolutely hammered. The underlying stats say it's not quite as bad, but a little dangerous. So I was trying to say that you you were talking about how a lot of the underlying statistics say that Garrett Cole's performance hasn't been as bad as as you would think. And some I would of them say that. some of them say. I'm not saying all of them. Say. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I was going to just say his fielding independent pitching is 4.83, which tells yeah. you that he's been worse than the ERA would tell you. But, I mean, yeah, here's here's the thing with, with Garrett Cole. I mean, he this is a phenomenon I've noticed with the, a lot of Yankees pitchers, and I, just, I don't know if this is something that happens with pitchers all around the league, but all these Yankee pitchers, a lot, of, especially a lot of the starters, they have one bad inning, and in that bad inning, if the opposing lineup capitalizes, the game's over. I mean, I remember night. one specific – I remember one specific start Garrett Cole had against the Rays a few weeks ago where he was absolutely crushing it. And then in one inning, everything went down the drain. He gave up, I think, two or three home runs in one inning. And it went from a start where he was absolutely dominating to he leaves in the middle of the sixth inning with four or five runs given up. I mean, he's giving up 2.3 home runs per nine innings, which is almost double his previous career high. You know, this is a, a something that, at least in terms of regular season performance, just for another Yankees example, Masahiro Tanaka, when he was really starting to level off as a mediocre regular season pitcher, a big problem for him was the home run ball. And I mean, I hope I hope for Garrett Cole's sake that things kind of normalize with that because he's the $324 million man. The Yankees need him to pitch better than he's pitching. I mean, he, he's got to step things up. He's 100% been disappointing through his first eight starts as a Yankee. One thing that does look a little concerning to me is if you, on Baseball Savant, you check out his spray chart from this year versus last year, and even this year versus previous years. Most years he allows, the ball gets hit all over the diamond. This year, when he allows a ground ball, he allows a ground ball. But when he allows the ball to get hit, he allows it to get hit hard. There are not a lot of balls that are falling in, like, the more shallow part of the outfield. The ball is getting hit to the outfield. It's getting crushed to the outfield. He's allowing a lot of doubles, a lot of loud outs, and... So if it's not a grounder, you've got to be very worried about Garrett Cole. So that's a, it's a little nerve-wracking, yeah. It's definitely a little bit nerve-wracking because we know how yeah. good he can be. We saw how he was in Houston, and I would just hope that that level of success wasn't exclusive to Houston, that it can actually kind of translate now that he's in New York. Yeah. It people better, are, otherwise the Yankees – I was going to say, it better translate. Otherwise, you know, in a few years we'll be – saying how the Yankees somehow managed to f- make a contract worse than Jacoby Ellsbury's. Oh. Man, I think we would all be so sad if that happened. I mean, that's a bit pessimistic yeah. of me, but hopefully uh, hopefully that's not the road we're heading down with him. Yeah. The w- one issue with him is that um, there's just, besides the fact there's a lot more solid contact, he's getting the ball pulled on him a lot more, which I think might be leading to that increase in balls just going there. Because usually he does not allow a lot of that. And also like, 
all of his stats are trending in the wrong direction. Like fly balls and line drives are up, pop ups are down, players are down. It's a, it's a, it's a little it's, it's a little scary. He he he's not because his strikeout percentage is down, and I assume I think his stuff is just not quite as good as it has been in previous years. Then I think that's like his curveball, his his curveball and uh, fastball movement are just down overall, and his sliders movement is down overall. He's the pitches aren't as good. And the results have also not been as good. That's that's the only thing he's got, though. No, I know. I mean, I I think the biggest thing, you know, I you talked about movement, and I would agree from clips I've seen of him, especially on his four seam fastball, it's just so much straighter and flatter, and that's that's not really going to get the job done. But I think one thing I've noticed with him, and this is especially prevalent with the home runs he's given up, is that his command in certain portions of his starts, his command looks absolutely terrible. I mean, he's missing by entire plates or entire strike zones, I should say, either horizontally or vertically when it comes to location. And, you know, big league hitters are geared up to hit high 90s fastballs anymore. And I I don't care how good of a fastball you've got. You guys definitely know this. Any fastball is hittable if it's not located well. And Garrett Cole has had a really tough time locating all of his pitches. And that's when that's especially when he starts to really get crushed. Yeah, and you also want to check out check out the placement of his curves. Usually he has a really nice smatter. So it's it's really easy for someone to say, oh, just throw a fastball up in the zone and throw a breaking pitch that's at least 10 miles per hour less or more uh, away from the guy. And that's going to be impossible to hit. Actually, if you do that, it's predictable. They start laying off of your pitches. What Garrett Cole seems to have resorted to doing, check out his curveball. He's pretty much only throwing uh, in the bottom part of the zone. He Last year, he did a much better job of throwing the curve all over. You didn't know where it was going to go. Even the slider was a little less predictable. This year, his breaking pitches are sort of like kind of predictable, and the hitter knows they can actually lay off him. Unlike last year, you saw when he had knee-buckling curves and sliders. He's, he's, he's become predictable. I mean, I listen, I know that Garrett Cole was sort of like the finishing touch on the Astros, like figuring out, oh, you quote-unquote figured out how to pitch. I think people have adjusted, and if he does, I know he's a smart guy. If he doesn't make an if he doesn't make an adjustment against that, and if his stuff just keeps getting a little bit worse, yeah, like you said, he might just be better than just another guy, but still not worth near anywhere near worth three hundred twenty-four million dollars over nine years. All right, Daniel, tell me one of your disappointing guys. All right, my first disappointing player is an outfielder named Christian Yelich. Oh, I'm excited to talk about him. I actually have pages on him and Bellinger. So, I mean, yeah, Cody Bellinger's another one. There, there's a there's a handful of outfielders. Talk to me about Yelly. Talk to me about Yelly. Struggling, but Yelich is one I want to talk about because Christian Yelich is one of those guys where he's of course since com- he's always been a very good hitter. He was always a great hit contact hitter in Miami, and then he discovered this unknown power stroke when he came to Milwaukee. So we always knew he was a talented hitter, but he, he was filled kinda, out. He filled out. He was a skinny guy. He was an un, he's an underratedly disciplined hitter. I mean, since coming to yeah. Milwaukee, he started taking more walks and striking out less. And so far here in 2020, the only thing that Christian Yelich seems to be doing really, really well, two things really, are taking walks and hitting home runs, which in 2020 baseball is not the end of the world. I mean, that's certainly serviceable. His OPS plus is still 118, but I take issue with Yelich and. I know that for some more statistics-minded baseball people that I talk to, 
they're going to say I'm overreacting to something like this, but I take significant issue with the fact that Christian Yelich is batting 205. You know, I know that it's very important to take a lot of walks and his OPS is a very serviceable 824, but I think it's a big problem when you have a guy of Yelich's caliber who's not hitting the ball. Yeah, I think it's a Bryce Harper situation. I mean, this this is a Bryce Harper situation, but I think a bit more exponential. And again, just like we talked about, a lot of guys that have had seasons that have been way, way better than usual because of the short season, Christian Yelich and basically all the other Yankees I talked about, you can also loop into this, but all these other guys who were struggling might be struggling so much because it's such a short season. It's much more of a sprint than a grind. But again, Yelich hasn't been terrible. He's just been wildly horrific and way worse than usual at actually hitting the ball. 25 hits and 122 at-bats. That's not good. I mean, that's not what you would expect from a guy like Yelich. This is a guy who, prior to 2020, had never hit below 282 as a, as a big leaguer, and now he's hitting 205. And it's not really easy to explain, but it's certainly noteworthy that he's just stopped hitting the ball. I yeah, think that, an interesting, an interesting okay, point ahead. here, sorry, an interesting point here is that Harper's problem was he, and this is probably similar to Yelich, after, in 2016, he just wasn't getting pitches to hit. And it was frustrating him, you know, like he could, you can take walks as much as you want, but like at some point you're going to be like, I just want to swing the bat. And like Harper just wasn't getting anything to hit. Yelich is probably just not getting anything to hit and he's getting antsy. I think it's, I think it's almost a deeper problem. My question is sort of like yours, Daniel. I don't know if he's seeing the ball right. So let me run some stuff by you. So his zone swing percentage, this is the first one that tipped me off that something might be afoot, is down by a lot. Last year... He, I, I must assume he was seeing the ball well because he pr- would probably have won MVP if he had played all 162 games. So his zone swing percentage is down from about 70% to 61.3%. The weird thing is, last year he saw 41% of pitches inside the zone. This year he's seeing 43% of pitches inside the zone. And yet he's swinging less. And also, so that's bad, first of all. And then also check out his chase percentage, just like is last year it was about league average this year it's at 16.5 percent he's not swinging any of those stuff and so there's a guy who i was thinking of adding to this list i ended up not that's robbie grossman robbie grossman i think was famous at least when he was on the astros as being a guy who would just watch every single pitch go by him and figured that there were enough of them that were balls that he could just do that and like it wouldn't matter if he struck out that much that's what it almost seems like Yelich is doing. I don't know if he's afraid of the ball. I don't know if he can't see the ball, but he's also chasing way less. So, his, but here's the thing also. His chase contact last year, it, w- it was below league average, but it wasn't terrible. It was 50%. I almost think that it's better to have a lower chase percentage than normal, but not like absurdly low. But that chase contact percentage last year at 50%, it's down to 43.3% now. So, and and remember the zone contact that I was telling you about that, fell down precipitously or zone swing percentage the zone contact is also fell down precipitously so that fell down from 84 percent to 75 percent all right a lot of you your eyes are probably glazing over right now what i'm basically saying is that christian yelich is swinging at balls less and he's making contact percentage he's making contact with fewer balls that he swings at and it's not by a little it's by a lot so yelich he's not seeing the ball well he's not hitting the ball well his whiff percentage is up. His swing percentage is way down. Even though his exit velocity and he's hitting the ball hard enough when he actually makes contact with it, 
the fact that all that stuff is going down seems like the ball might be going a little too fast for him. And he's just making bad reads. And I think that is also probably indicated in the fact that his ground ball percentage is also up by a lot. And his fly ball percentage is down by a lot. I don't know if he's not swinging up. His launch angle is definitely worse than it was last year, although it's not terrible. I think he's a little behind the ball this year. I don't know if it was an issue of like him not adjusting or something like that. If this is the kind of thing that can just be fixed with an offseason of seeing a bunch of pitches in the cage. I, I don't think he's going to hit well again at all this season. I think he's kind of done. It's, 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 it's concerning when you bring up statistics like that and you also notice, I, you know, I think, it's, I think it's a bad thing when you see a batter's walk percentage and strikeout percentage go up in the same season. I think that's yeah. a much more that's a much more analog indication of all those statistics you were talking about with him. We mentioned we mentioned Ian Happ at the top of the pod being over fifty percent on his KBB percentage a couple years back. Now Yelich is at over forty three percent, and the it's, average MLB it's 45, player it's forty five point six percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, you're Lots right. I tell you that wrong. And now the average MLB player uh, has is around thirty percent. Is actually at thirty percent if you. I, th- I think, yeah, 21.7 plus 8.3. Yeah, so the average MLB player is at 30% of K percentage plus walk percentage. And his primary job is a hitter. You have to yeah. hit the ball. And when 45.6% of the time you are either staring at the ball or swinging at the ball it's and missing, I mean, it's concerning. I mean, you look at you – know, I'm looking at the rest of Yelich's seasons here on Fangraphs and just a quick glance with the quickest bit of mental math – I mean the high the the K and the strikeout and walk percentage combined forty five point six percent as we said the previous career high that I can see here was thirty five point six percent a whole ten percent lower and that was his rookie year in twenty thirteen so from twenty fourteen to he's nineteen striking out far more this year far oh yeah, far his more strikeout rate is is the highest it's been since his rookie year and it's up nine percent from last year. You want to know something 9%. funny though? Let me. I'm gonna. T- there's. It's basically like this is good, but this is bad. His exit velocity is the same, but his barrel percentage is way down. So he's not. So even though he's hitting the ball hard, he's not getting good wood on it. His hard hit percentage is actually the best it's been in a long time, which explains the exit velocity percentage. And the contact is great. The issue is that he's not making contact. That's really scary for a guy like him. Every indication shows that he's becoming a worse hitter all across the board. And there are no advanced stats in which he's actually doing pretty well. Even the expected statistics, he's doing kind of average. It's I'd, scary. There's something I'd like to see. A little bit of average. What? Is how, how many times, if he's changed at all his approach and maybe he's sw- swinging at the first few pitches less, and as a result of that, he's either getting himself at a quick 0-2 or quick 2-0 or, you know, further Here's than that thing. and saying, like, oh, uh, you know. You're actually right. His yeah. first pitch swing percentage is nearly as low as Jake Cronenworth's. It's 13.6% right now. Last year is a little above MLB average. This year he's barely swinging any first pitch. He, he thinks he's like Mike Trout, basically. But and that he's one, just going to get either a curveball yeah. or a ball on, yeah. on, uh, on the One thing pitches. he is doing, which I think probably makes sense, he's getting more pitches on the edges, and he's also swinging more on the corners. He's actually swinging much more on pitches in the corners instead of Maybe in the middle of the zone. Maybe because he's digging himself an early hole he has to protect. Exactly. Yelich is just... And, yeah, again, he's facing more pitches in the zone than he did last year when he swung at 29.5% of pitches. This year, again, it's 13.6%. <sighs> Something's wrong with him. Something is definitely wrong there. I don't know if it's age. 
I don't know if it's a bad approach. It can't be uh, but 28. I mean, I know, I know but been in the league for a while now, but you don't see this type of decline that's so significant from a guy who's still in his 20s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this he should still be in his prime. The thing is, Sam, you mentioned Bryce Harper. So I pulled the Bryce Harper stats to take a look to see if last year he had been especially bad in this kind of stuff. It's, it's not really the same. I think Bryce Harper last year was just pressing more. He had gotten a big contract. And as you can see, like, he's swinging more off. He's chasing much more often. He's swinging at the first pitch. No, that's not what I was necessarily saying. I was that's saying, at, like, after he had an insane year, he pitchers started giving him less pitches to hit. I mean, he that doesn't really show itself out, actually. He was actually getting more pitches to hit, or at least more pitches in the zone. They were more on the edge but he still was getting more pitches in the zone. I think Bryce Harper was pressing last year. Pressing is kind of easy to fix. If it's, if it's an approach, Yelich can fix, fix it. If it's not an approach, if he's just like getting kind of behind and stuff like that, then that's a little nerve-wracking. But here's, here's the kicker. Here's the reason why I think he's getting a little behind on stuff. Last year, he hit 347 on fastballs, and he slugged 698. This year... He's down by a, a, almost exactly 100 in each – actually down by about 103 in each category. That's a little scary. That's, that's what scares me. And so if, if it isn't really – obviously he also isn't hitting other pitches too, and that does have an issue. But actually – but yeah, the fact that he's not hitting four seamers, that he's not hitting high – if he's not hitting fast pitches means that he's just behind on a lot of stuff. All right. All right, so that's a lot on Yelich. And now, again, I did a deep dive on the guy. I was really intrigued to know. Deserved. I mean, like you said, yeah. Harrison, this guy, if he, had pl- if he hadn't spent a, a little bit of time on the IL last year, he would have been the NL MVP. And I mean, Still should have been. Actual, the actual NL MVP yeah, yeah. isn't doing much better. And I don't know if that's who you were going to talk about. but Sure I mean, is. It, it definitely, you know, deserves a lot of talking about. This is a guy who... As I said, even when he was on Miami, was a, an above-average hitter. And in the last two years, he's arguably been the best left-handed hitter in baseball. And it's just absurdly strange to see him having such a big drop-off at actually hitting the ball. Yeah. So, now, I, I mean, yeah, I know we spent a yeah. lot of time talking about him. But I think it's justified. Yeah. With how get, bad- be, the fact is people haven't really been talking about Yelich and Bellinger in this year, which, which surprises the hell out of me. These are two guys who – we're supposed to be the faces of baseball, or at least the faces of baseball in the National League. And so, yeah, I want to talk about Bellinger. So unlike Yelich, who is showing some scary signs, Bellinger is showing something else. Bellinger, he seems to have shifted from an MVP-level player, which he was last year, to just an above-average level player. I think that's a little bit confirmed by the fact that you look at his WRC Plus this year. It's at 108 right now, which means he's only 8% than a league-average hitter. Now, again, his batting average on balls in play is way down. But also, last year, he was much better with his exit velocity. And he was much better with his uh, hard hit percentage. And this year, he's down in both. And he's actually literally average in hard hit percentage this year. So that batting average was kind of a yeah. Again, his exit velocity isn't great. His barrel percentage is actually way down. That's, I think, what you guys should definitely take a look at. It's honestly kind of interesting. If you look at Yell- uh, Bellinger's four years in baseball, first year, great barrel percentage. Second He's an, year, bad barrel percentage. An, definitely an odd year kind of guy. It's, it's a fluky sort of deal. Then 13% barrel percentage last year, which was one of the best in baseball. Then this year, it's down to nine, which is a little above average. Again, 
if you look at his stat, if you look on Baseball Savant page, in Baseball Savant, if you're great, you're deep red. If you're bad, you're deep blue. Bell, uh, yeah, Bellinger is sort of like um, pinkish. He's like a light red colored. Yeah, he's a little above average, but he was great last year, and he's just not really showing up this year. His walks are down a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. His strikeouts are about the same. The plate different discipline is not a little too different. Again, he's just a little bit worse in every single category. But I, have, but I, have, I figured it out, by the way, if you guys want to know. What's the, you want to know what the main difference between Bellinger this year and last year is? All right. So last year was juice ball era, right? Fly balls. Yeah, it's still juice deal. Still, arguably okay. still juice ball, but all right. Well, yeah, we, we got a question about this year. But his fa- uh, fly ball percentage is way down from last year. It's down from 30% to 22%. His ground ball percentage is way up. It's up from 32% to 40%. And he's making less solid contact too. He, and he's not barreling up the ball. What he is doing is he's just hitting the ball a little more weakly. He just hmm, isn't makes making... Sense. Uh, yeah. Again, like Yelich. Yelich is still making really good contact when he makes contact. As a matter of fact, remember that ex-Wobacon thing we talked about for Luke Voigt? Yelich is, is almost literally the exact same as last year compared to this year. But if we want to talk about Bellinger, it's much, much, much further down. It was nearly 500 last year, and it's down to about 411. It's decent, but not great this year. Yeah, I don't know. One thing that I think was also very interesting, if you check out uh, Bellinger and Yelich's uh, spray charts, is that their doubles are way down. Both of them have only a couple doubles this year, and they're only on balls uh, basically to the gap. On, uh, to left field. You know, like, you know, those doubles that like land a little bit inside the foul line and then roll up to the, then roll all the way yeah. to the wall. Those are the only two, those are the only uh, doubles that those guys are hitting this year. They're just, they're either hitting home runs or they're grounding out or they're getting out basically. I don't know. And I, I think but, that, that tells, that kind of tells me that they're just, their timings off and their plate, their play awareness is kind of off and their barrel awareness is off from having such yeah. long layoff. And it could also be that because this season is a little bit different in the sense that, as I said before, it's a, it's a sprint instead of a grind that these guys might be trying a little bit more than usual to just hit home runs instead, yeah. you know, going all in all the His time instead of just knowing that instead Our of got to pace themselves and instead of trying to hit the ball into a nice open gap in the outfield, they're trying to hit it into the seats and, we, you know, we know that this level of aggressiveness, it usually doesn't pay off. And maybe that could be a, a portion of why these guys are struggling so much is that they've really just they're, – they're trying – they're turning themselves, whether it's on purpose or not, they're turning more and more into three true outcome hitters. And hopefully they can reverse that because when these two guys are right, Yelich, Yelich – I was about to say Yellinger, Yelich and Bellinger – they well, are Bellinger doesn't strike out much. Bellinger has actually a great K rate. But. No, I know he doesn't. He's not striking out that much at all, which is still, which is really impressive. But I mean, and he's walking how less. Explain, how else can you explain the fact that, as you said, he's gone from a top three hitter in the National League last year to just basically slightly above average? Can I throw something out after you? It could be a possible factor. I'm not saying it's the main yeah. one. I'm not saying it's the main reason. It might not be anything at all. But it here's could something be just interesting: the, the mental side of it yeah. could be getting to them too. We talked about um, Yelich not being able to catch up on fastballs. We also should talk about Bellinger not being able to catch up on fastballs. His batting average on fastballs has also taken a nosedive. And his slugging percentage has taken an insane nosedive of nearly, by nearly 300. And so this is something which 
I think is almost like sort of indicative of the kind of season that they're having. So last year, both Bellinger and Yelich crushed fastballs. They hit tons of home runs on fastballs. But this year, Cody Bellinger has only hit three home runs on fastballs. But this year, Christian Yelich, I believe he said nine home runs on fastballs. So what basically is happening with Bellinger is that like he's hitting home runs on other pitches at sort of the same rate, but he's not hitting fastballs nearly as well. And so that shows in the fact that when he hits the ball, the outcome is not nearly as good as it was in previous years. But for Yelich, when he hits the ball, the outcome is just as good as it was in previous years. The issue is he's not swinging the bat. It's, it's like the, the funny thing is, is like Luke Voigt and Jake Cronenworth are sort of the inverses of these two guys. When Jake Cronenworth hits the ball, uh, Jake Cronenworth can hit almost anything. Uh, but Christian Yelich can't hit basically anything at all. And Luke Voigt, whenever, uh, or actually, I don't know, there, there's like a little, there's like some good stuff in like with them, I think there's like some scale going on there. Uh, you guys might know what I'm going for. I don't know. But the Cronenworth and Boyd are on the good side of things, and Bellinger and Yelich are on the bad side of things. Yeah, it's a lot lot of information on those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I felt a deep dive was necessary. I'm sorry. You, you can't just have the two best hitters in the National League last year just become below league, or league average or below league average and no one even blink an eye at it. I mean, McCutcheon and Harper did it. Yeah, it wasn't the same. I don't know. Bellinger and Yelich dominated the conversation all of last year. And this year, it's all you hear is Tatis Jr. and Soto. For good reason, because Tatis Jr. and Soto uh, have been incredible this year. But it also makes you a little nervous. Like, what if Tatis Jr. and Soto next year fall off in the same amount of way? Just because someone had a terrific MVP level season. And I, by the way, I don't think that's going to happen to those two guys because of the underlying statistics and also how much younger they are. But still, Captain Bellinger and Yelich might be able to happen to those guys too. All right, Only Sam. time will tell. What else have you got for me? You, give me, give, give, surprise me. Either good, uh, surprisingly good or surprisingly bad. Oh, let's see. What do we got here? I mean, we can't go without talking about Shane Bieber. Let's talk about Shane Bieber. Who's, is he, what has he been, Sam? Has he been the fill in the blank? Throwing five, th- th- throwing five pitches this year. Fastball, curveball, cutter, slider, changeup. All at least 6% of the time. He's among the league leaders for vertical movement in four of his five pitches. The only one he's not in is his changeup. Uh, he throws a slider for a strike uh, only 24% of the time, and it's about the same with his curveball. Um, he's among the league leaders. Yeah, so he's just... He's got insane movement on a lot of his... on 80% of his pitches, and he's... He's just unreal. I don't, like... It's just a guy that has four... He's kind of turning into Felix Hernandez kind of thing. He has four or five plus pitches that kind of just complement each other perfectly. Yeah. I think there was, like, everything... There was no, like, real change in anything. Well, actually, there was. Sorry. He was... Fastball. Fastball usage is down 10%. So he's mixing in more off-speed. That's... Yeah. And when you have, when you have pitches that move like his do, and when you have four of them... You have such a diverse repertoire of pitches that, as you said, Sam, if he's throwing all five of his pitches at least 6% of the time, there's so few pitchers that can do that and can keep hitters so on their toes with the exact with exactly how the ball is going to move and how fast it's going to come at you. And I think the fact that he's able to mix them up so well, I mean, that's part of the reason why he's hands down been the best pitcher in the American League, probably the best pitcher in all of baseball this year. And if he, yeah. 
if he and I, I mean this when I say it, I mean if he keeps this up for the final five or six, four or five weeks of the season, however much time is left, I mean he, he's going to get MVP votes. Forget Cy Young votes. Absolutely. Yeah, the I mean, AL is a little more of a toss up for MVP right now. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure how I'm not sure that you know I, I don't think he's I don't think he would win it out. I, I just think that pitchers it's tough enough for a pitcher to get MVP votes, and I think when you're talking about the fact that we played like a one third length normal season, a little more than that. That it would be you barely get any starts tough. in. It would be especially tough to guard, to warrant giving pitcher pit, a pitcher some MVP votes. But if any one starting pitcher did deserve it, it's got to be Shane Bieber. Yeah. Yeah. I've, one thing that I noticed is his curveball last year wasn't really that exceptional of a pitch, especially movement wise. And like, listen, it was a good pitch. He didn't allow very high BS. I mean, his batting average was only two twelve on it. He did allow four home runs on it. This year, though, it drops. It, it the drop has increased by nearly six by nearly six inches. Yeah, his vertical That's movement nuts. is just above above average. Yeah, yeah, it's, his, it's, his it, vertical movement is just insane on all of his pitches. Yeah, increased by three percentage, but above average, it's a lot better. And also, the break on it is a lot better because it was actually kind of below average last year, and it's added five plus inches of horizontal movement this year, which is nuts. And again, like you said, he's throwing that pitch specifically more than any new pitch but here's what's nuts what do you think the batting average on his curve is zero it's no it's an even 100 or not even 100 because that would be an even 1000 but that's damn impressive and the expected slugging percentage on that pitch is 0.169 that's like that's less than a single every five at bats expected on that pitch that's insane The the launch angle on that was 10 last year it's negative nine this year it's basically you can't hit you can't put get his curveball into the air yeah Yeah, exactly it's got what a 55.6 whip percentage on that pitch what that tells me is that he hasn't hung a single one and like i said he's throwing it for a strike 28 percent of the time one homer one homer and one double but yeah yeah he's one homer and one double yeah that's how you get the statistics that he's got man i mean he's just been he's been unreal and you know i i i I guess, you know, for a stretch of this this short, we could have seen this coming. I mean, Shane Bieber was Some of very... us did see it coming, you know? Sam predicted him to win the Cy Young this year. I think we should mention that. We we had some good pod predictions. If we I get Dylan so Bundy, far, we can talk about mine. So far, you... I mean, so far, you look absolutely right. I mean, every... There's... I'd love to hear somebody's argument for why somebody else deserves it more than Shane Bieber. Whether, you know, you can talk about how he's averaging almost seven innings a start or how he's striking out almost 14 and a half batters per nine or how his ERA plus is 379, you know, and we talked about um, Max Fried's ERA plus being as high as it was, which it, which was insane for a starting pitcher. And Shane Bieber's was, is I think around a hundred points higher than what Max Fried's was. Bieber, so, we should mention, just a has struck out 84 batters in eight games. Yeah, eighty-four batters. That's ten. That's ten strikeouts a game, and even more yeah. impressive because he never, he almost never throws a complete game. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know when he's got this year. I, I assume it, I think just one, maybe. I haven't checked. I think but, he had. He, I know he had two last year. Yeah. He was big innings guy last year. And yeah, also, like last year. Daniel, I think he is going to lock up that Zion because Lance Lynn allowed a four spot to the Astros in the first inning today. Yeah, so. I mean Lance Lance Lynn is probably the biggest workhorse starting pitcher in doesn't really throw a, a pitch less he's than a 91 miles an hour. He's a throwback. 
He's. Uh, it's a shame that it's the Yankees a, screwed it's him up. It's a shame. It's a shame that the Yankees didn't keep him because his some of the more advanced statistics would tell you that Lance Lynn was actually pretty good as a Yankee, even though he didn't have the best of starts and had an ERA in the fours. He was actually pretty good for them. And since coming to Texas, I mean, yeah, you you said he's a throwback. I couldn't agree more. I mean, he's just. He goes out there, he'll throw 120 pitches every single time, give you six, seven, eight innings. Yeah, what's that, what's that streak he's got? Pretty sure he's he got a streak. He's got a streak of like 100 pitches in like 20-something straight starts. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, listen, he's already had one Tommy John surgery. But... It's amazing his arm is still intact after that. But, man. Well, I mean, he's throwing only fastballs. He Those throws fastballs, cutters, and the occasional curveball. That's basically yeah. it. Just an update. Yan- Yankees lost. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Maltz. All right. That's so okay. next, Daniel. If we talked about a guy who's got five pitches that are all doing work this year, how about we talk, talk talk about a guy who no one knows if he's seven, eight, nine, thirteen? Tell me about you, Darvish. And wait, his resurgence. Wait, Lance Lynn threw 111 pitches. He's look at that. Si- man, six God. innings, six runs. He's he got he somehow got through six innings. Nobody else, he just see, put the, the guy on like, the mound, let him work. Yeah, I mean, listen, Chris Woodward trusts him enough to just let him keep going out there. Put it this way. I know we gave up six runs in six innings, and that's not good. The Rangers' bullpen would have probably done worse. So just leave him out there. The I, Rangers I'm... only scored four runs in the game, which like, it's close enough, but it, it wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So I'll talk about, about you, Darvish, but before we do that, just in, just in case this guy doesn't get talked about as we wrap up, I wanted to give one honorable mention to a player who's been shockingly bad this year. And I Let's won't go too it. deep into it, but I just want to mention it before I talk about you, Darvish, and that's Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani <sighs> has just been a whole mess of bad this year. His pitching yeah, the world's biggest dumpster fire. He put 11 runners on base, three hits, and eight walks, seven earned runs. He was throwing 91. He was, like, over- topping out at 91. It exactly. was, it was I, very hard to watch. Listen, we, we, with the season restarting like it did, it just didn't seem right to throw a guy who you have to treat so delicately already because he was coming back from Tommy John to throw Otani back out on the mound. They should have stopped that charade after his first start when he, I think he didn't, didn't did get he an not out. make he a single out. He did not get an out. Yeah. So He's I think they should have stopped right then and there, and then they made the terrible decision, just like they made the terrible decision to let him keep going after he tore his UCL. I, and then, you know, now he's, he's back to – strictly hitting and he's not hitting you know yeah. the one thing that made it okay that he didn't pitch in 2019 was that he was still hitting very very well ops in the eights hit for decent power this year he's batting 185 with an 83 ops plus he's 17 percent worse than the average hitter this year so i don't want to go that much deeper into it but so far yeah. the shohei otani experiment as a whole and it's checking out a lot the otani experiment in its three years now here at the major league level I would say it's just been a failure. We've only seen him pitch in 10 starts in 2018. He so far hasn't been able to keep his pitching arm healthy enough to pitch. And worse now, I mean, he, he, we've never seen him play in the field because the Angels, despite how cavalierly they let him pitch a second game after his first terrible one this year, they never let him play in the field. So the only other thing we have to judge him on is his hitting. And let's let's be fair. You know this, is the, is, this is the Angels, okay? They don't know how to develop pitchers, okay? You know funny, though? They're not the only ones either. Look at, I mean, another guy who we don't have time, we might not have time to talk about, John Means. 
I had even written down here on my Google Doc that he was maybe the first Baltimore starter to actually develop well in maybe 10 years since Chris yeah. Tillman had a couple of good years in the early 2010s. Had a solid, not great, but solid rookie year. And this year's ERA and FIP are both over eight. Another guy who's just... Impressive. But, Daniel, I wanted to mention Otani because you t- just briefly, because you talked about him being in the field. The guy's one of the fastest kids in baseball. Yeah, he's very high I, on sprint speed. I don't know why you don't just put him in, like, left field or right field or center field or something like that. Say, you want, you know what? Whatever. He's got a big arm. Even if we don't make him pitch, it's at least like he, he can at least play the field. I assume he can make a read on a fly ball, put well, him out yeah, there, the like in make him a full-time outfielder. Has he ever played professionally in, like, in the field? Did he in play Japan? in all of Japan? I would have I think question. he did in Japan. DHs, yeah. I don't know if they had a, if they have DHs in Japanese baseball. I think the reason they wanted him to do DH in the first place is because they wanted him to pitch and hit. Just to say, you know what? He's not going to pitch anymore. He's just going to hit. Then well, don't I mean, like the stick thing. him I mean, at DH. The, well, but like his arm. With the yeah, guy, yeah, whatever. I mean, listen, it's, it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to throw is... a baseball from the outfield accurately than it is to throw the, a ninety-eight mile per hour fastball down the pipe. They were concerned about him hurting his arm again and tearing his UCL again. I mean, that's why we didn't see him play any outfield for his first two years because his elbow was technically still healing from the Tommy John and it might be quote unquote healed. But as we saw from his two starts, something is still clearly very, very wrong with Otani's pitching. And I think the angels aren't going to put him in the outfield simply because they don't want to run the no, risk of the making, of make, they don't want to run the risk of making a already bad situation way way worse he's definitely got the athletic ability he's an unbelievable athlete we know that and he's definitely got the ability to play in the outfield but the angels i i, I just think at this point they've already seen it as it seems they've played their cards about as wrong as possible with otani over three years and i think that they are just they're finally trying to not make an additional mistake with him but anyway yeah. wanted to make i just wanted to make sure otani got mentioned just because he's been such a dumpster fire but let's talk about you, Darvish. Now. Yeah, let's talk I, about a, I, I should a have been Jatani. I picked him as a dark horse MVP candidate. Unfortunately, does not seem he's going to get there. And my yeah, dark horse, my, my dark horse NL Cy Young candidate, Josh Hader. We should mention. I wasn't going to put him in. We should mention has not allowed a hit in eleven innings pitched, but also has only pitched eleven innings. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> he's, been it's he's been incredible. He's been incredible in those innings. Down. He has a lot. Of, he has a lot of two runs, I think. Yeah, because he had one five walk inning. Which like yeah, that's bad, obviously. But he still hasn't allowed a hit. Yeah, hold on. We had one. He had one. He had one five walk inning. God, that's Otani esque. Yeah, but the that rest is of it is Otani esque. Yeah, at least he didn't get the ball get crushed. Year, though. I, mean, I, I know he hasn't allowed a run, and he's got you know he's he's allowed, he's allowed a couple out. runs. He's allowed runs, but not hits. Yeah, because he, he's he's put you know he's pitched eleven and two third innings. He has ten walks. He's walking a batter per inning almost. Oh, he's turning yeah. into Brandon Workman. It is an issue, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, tell me about you. We, yeah, let's, let's, talk, let's get to him. Because remember, I remember last Darvish year. For, let's talk about Darvish for a second. Yeah. We kind of saw signs of this coming throughout the entire second half of last year. Even That's though right. we talked he was about just getting incredibly unlucky. We talked yeah. about it on the pod. Darvish has such a funky mix of pitches, and he can throw a pitch anywhere from, you know, 62 miles an hour to 99 miles an hour and put a whole different, a whole series of movements on his pitches that can make them move vertically or laterally. He can make the ball move and do just crazy things. He's got a 310 ERA plus this year, 10.89 strikeouts per nine, 
a 1.47 ERA. Those are just all things that are absolutely absurd. And his walk percentage in terms of batters, I believe it's in terms of batters faced, is he's walking less than 5% of the batters he faces. That's the thing that really yeah. surprised me. I always like looked at him as kind of like a strikeout and, and walk guy and kind of bundled because when those two. In the past couple of years. Used to be. His yeah. exactly. past yeah, couple of years, he's just like said, you know what? I think walks are bad. When he was a guy Texas, with he was walking a, yeah. he when he was on Texas yeah. he was averaging in his first two seasons his two full years there he was averaging 3.8 walks per nine and now he's averaging about 30% of that 1.7 walks per nine this year as a cub i mean every everything seems to be clicking for Mr. Darvish he's averaging six innings a start which is good he's given up just two home runs in 43 innings which is good not, walking very few guys, as I said, and striking out a lot of guys. I mean, yeah, you know, for a for a Cubs team that has seen its pitching staff fall into complete limbo, really since their 2016 championship team. I mean, there's 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 very little to like about the Cubs pitching right now. Kyle Hendricks had a really great start, hasn't kept it up. Um, the whole bullpen, with the exception of veteran right-hander Jeremy Jeffress, has also been terrible and. Jeffress hasn't been that great if you look at the sabermetrics. So the one real bright spot on that on that team and in that rotation has been you Darvish. And right now it's kind of hard to argue that he doesn't deserve a lot of Cy Young votes for the National League. It's very crowded yeah. in the NL, though. It's, it's a terrific NL this year as far as pitching goes. But the 147 ERA is looking real, real nice. Like looking It's crazy to think that Darvish is, has struck out 52 guys in 43 innings and is still like – Eh, whatever. That's not even that impressive, just because Shane Bieber exists. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. listen. If Shane Bieber, if Shane Bieber's <laughs> performance is where things can get, then you know when you're four, when you're three and a half strikeouts below that, you kind of think to yourself, "Wow." I mean, I, I know I'm doing a good job, but that guy's just unreal. Yeah. One thing that is really interesting to note is that so. Hugh Darvis has eight pitches listed on Baseball Savant. I assume he's got more. I assume he's got multiple types of different pitches I would that wouldn't be surprising me at all but his cutter which he only threw about 10 percent in 2016 or a little under 15 percent in 2017 and 2018 suddenly became his most used pitch with by a little bit over his fastball at about 38 percent in 2019 and suddenly this year with the guy who we should mention again has that many pitches has eight possible pitches at least he throws that cutter nearly 50% of that time. And it's a terrific pitch to throw that often. But, like, it obviously is not as fast as your normal fastball. It's only 87 miles per hour, but he's got a 240 batting average on that. He's got a really impressive 2,600 spin rate on that. And for a cutter, it's pretty great to have a 36% whiff percentage on that, too. That, I feel like, is probably a big source of his success, that pitch just playing so well. Last year, it was actually even better. It was I only had a 198 batting average, but regardless, it's it's been striking out more guys this year. And is Darvish going to become like a half of a one pitch guy? I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what happens. But anyway, yeah, Darvish has been incredible. Darvish has been absolutely phenomenal. Throwing the cutter half the time and throwing the other seven pitches a total of 50 percent of the time. Exactly. Yeah. All, they're, they're all somewhere between 5% and like 16% right now. 5% yeah, 5% and 15%, basically. Getting it done, though. He's really yeah. getting it done. Yeah, Darvish has been incredible. 
All right. There's just one guy I want to bring up. Um, unless you guys have more, in which case, sure thing. But I mentioned this guy earlier. And Sam, I know that your uh, bright future Reds are not the bright present Reds this year. Well, uh, uh, they're still like two games out of a playoff spot. Let's, uh, let's okay, calm down. Okay. But one bright spot, you got to admit, has been a guy who for a while couldn't seem to get out of the high minors. That guy obviously is right now sec- yeah, second in OPS plus in the league, third in WRC plus in the league. I don't know why not everyone's talking about him because Jesse Winker has been tearing the cover off the ball. He's nearly he's 13th best in exit velocity in the entire league. He's averaging 93% on that, and his barrel percentage is not much worse. It's 30th in the whole league. And the only two things he hasn't really been a lead at are his K percentage, which is 24%, which is a little above league average, but still his long percentage is also a little bit above league average. But here is why Jesse Winker has been so good this year, or I think one of the biggest reasons. So he's absolutely murdering breaking pitches. And specifically, he's he's just demolishing curveballs. Last year, he hit 220 on curveballs. The year before that, he had 238 on curveballs. Can you guess what he's hitting this year on curves? 312. 471. That was close. And his slugging percentage is an astounding 882. So he's been one, he's hit better, like worlds better than Ted Williams when he's hitting curveballs, which isn't something you usually expect for a pitch that's like, like we've been talking with all these pitchers, their curves are good pitches. Usually they do not get hit that well. I don't know what got into Jesse Winker such that he has just demolished them, but he's had, he's gotten a hit in eight of his at bats that he's seen a curveball. I, I don't know quite how this works, but yeah. So he's gotten a hit on nearly one out of every 10. Okay, wait, stop. You're going to have to edit this out because um, I don't really understand what I'm looking at. Yeah. But basically, Winker is crushing curveballs. That, I think, has got to be at least a source of it. I don't know if he ends up, like, finishing really high in the MVP race because he hasn't played quite enough of the season to really be all that noticed. But regardless, OPS is 1076. He has hit 10 bombs. He's a good player all around. He's not – I don't know. I think he's been, what, DHing this year or at least part of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, so, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he did a lot of DHing. I mean, his yeah. actual fielding has never been a strong suit. It's sort of like Nelson no. Cruz this year, except uh, actually Jesse Winker has been hitting a lot, a lot harder than Nelson Cruz, even as Nelson Cruz has been one of the best players in baseball, even though he's played just from a DH spot. One thing I'd like to mention about Winker is that his rookie year, he walked a lot, which is rare, which is it's very rare to see a rookie walk as much as he did. And then he kind of, or injuries and limited playing opportunities kind of made him not as much of a consistent walker, but I think the vision was always there. For him yeah the only thing that's really changed is the fact that he's barreling up the ball more and i think I, i'm totally okay with his him striking out more if he's hitting the ball like one of the best 10 players in baseball which he actually is right now he's a good hitter. Got, yeah he's a very good hitter i mean his big knock knock was that he could never really stay healthy and obviously short year this year so we have to wait until 2021 to see if he can actually last a full year but it seems like every time jesse winker gets a chance to play He's at least above average. Yeah. He's been, this, year, this year, yeah, he's just hitting the crap out of the ball. He's been terrific. Like, he's, he's basically the same kind of player. He is pulling the ball more this year, too. 
which has been impressive. Like the same way that Garrett Cole has been kind of getting hit hard with the ball getting pulled on him more. Jesse Winker is hitting the ball hard when he's pulling the ball more. And he's just making solid contact all like all throughout. And that's just been really impressive to see. Even yeah, even as he has been swinging less on pitches. Yeah. All right. You guys got anyone you want to mention? I know Sam has Dylan Bundy or Yeah, I didn't ha- I didn't find much on Bundy. Yeah. All right. I mean, Maybe. I only had one other person that I wanted to mention just just to like a quick shout out, like even a quicker than the Otani one. Another guy who's really been shockingly bad offensively this year is JD Martinez. I mean, I know that the Boston Red Sox as a whole haven't had too much of a too many bright spots on the year, but JD Martinez's offensive game, it makes like he's Houston. I mean, he's got an OPS plus in the eighties. His power is a little old. He's he's his slugging percentage is in the three hundreds. I mean, or right around four hundred if if that. I mean, he, the guy's just not hitting for any power. And again, not much to look. Not much is looking good on the Red Sox right now. Slugging three eighty seven. I have, ex- I, have bad ex- team. I have an excuse for him. I have an excuse. Have an excuse for for, do you have an excuse for the entire Red Sox team? Or no, is it we're just bad. Like we're they really forgot bad. To hire we're really bad. No, we have an ERA above six as a team. Has, has that ever been done? Yeah. Have, like, have the Colorado Rock- Colorado Rockies ever even done that? Uh, Probably. Yeah. So, what's your excuse for JD? Uh, every after every at bat, past few years, he goes down in the tunnel, looks at his at bats, and see- sees what he needs to fix or what he did wrong. That's true. JD is the guy who originally like he fixed his swing based on just analyzing a ton of video. And now in game, you're not allowed to. So. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. The Houston Astros' last revenge on J.D. Martinez, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want me to talk about Paul Goldschmidt? Or Paul Goldschmidt, all I can say about him is that he missed about a couple of weeks. Uh, like everybody first couple yeah, weeks of August. Yeah, like everyone on the Cardinals. Oh, right. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, no, he also was hurt. He also like had some elbow issues, and he might have missed time. But regardless, yes, that is true. Obviously, they missed a couple of weeks. But... Goldie has been crushing fastballs this year. He's hitting way more liners. I know last year people were a little worried about the Cardinals getting him because it seemed like he wasn't hitting quite that well. But this year he's swinging way less often, kind of like Yelich, but he's actually making much more contact. And you'd think that Joey Vada would have like a great BBK percentage this year, right? It's been fine. Paul Goldschmidt actually is the new Joey Votto, it seems. I'd be His- down. It's his walk percentage that's 21%, and it's his strikeout percentage that's 12%. That's good stuff, right? That. Yeah. That's real good. Yeah. And it's especially crazy to see that from a righty nowadays. I mean, usually a lot of those guys, just because more pitchers are right-handed, so it's a lot easier to – It's some. it can be easier sometimes to see that and see the arm and see the pitches coming when you're a left-handed hitter facing a righty. It's really interesting to see a righty – especially one like Goldschmidt, who's been known to strike out quite a bit in his past seasons, having so much discipline this year and striking out just 12% of the time. That's astonishingly low for today's day and age. Yes. The thing is, he's, he's striking out the same as he was like on off-speed pitches in the past. He's just crushing fastballs. Last year, I think he was just a little behind, and this year he's batting nearly 400 on him. And so that's an imp- it was an improvement of about 140 points. It was, it's get, very yeah. hard for me to look at all the cardinal stats because i like i was like oh this guy hasn't played as much he is like oh this guy hasn't really this guy must have been injured a little bit and i'm like no it's just their team that played 10 less games than everybody exactly they're not qualified for as much they no uh, what you might call it? goldie has only 89 at bats this season 
And yeah. the, he has three home runs, but also because they haven't played that much. And also, if you look at like the his spray chart, there's several of his pitches that in a different ballpark would have could have been home runs because they were right on the warning track. Some of his outs. So he's been making some loud outs. He's also been hitting a few bombs. He's just been playing a lot better. And again, that line drive percentage up to nearly 40%. Because last year he was league average. This year he's been one of the best in baseball at it. Yeah. All right. That was a fun pod. That was I don't... a lot of information got revealed. Yeah, exactly. Again, we did, we did our research for this one. We did a lot of deep dives. If you wanted to know about Christian Yelich or Cody Bellinger, I well, mean, I well, guess congratulations. You now you know how long their how long their fifth their fifth before. finger is. Yeah, but I feel like we haven't done like a classic stats deep dive like this in a while because we've been, have had a lot more basketball. There's been obviously yes, there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on in basketball and baseball and the strikes that we've had in the last couple of weeks. But and I assume we're going to talk about that next week when we talk more basketball. But this week, we just got back into baseball. We got it deep into some statistics. And I had a lot of fun doing it. All right. And we will see you guys next week when we talk about the NBA playoffs. And maybe the, the Boston Celtics will actually be in the Eastern Conference Finals by then. Who knows? We'll see. Let's find out. <laughs>